0: Hey guys, I know this is a Thursday, but this is a special GDUX.me talk that we'll be featuring the next few months. We have a lot in the vault, and so please enjoy. This episode and GDUX was sponsored by Masterpiece VR. Masterpiece VR is a VR application software that is changing the landscape of how you approach game development they're speeding the process by not just recreating 3D but the whole pipeline including animation rigging and so much more please go and check them out at masterpiece vr on twitter or go to masterpiecevr.com give it a download and trial and you'll see why it is going to change the future all right guys enjoy the episode My next presenter is with Jonathan Gagney. He is the CEO of Masterpiece VR, who is also the sponsor for this year's GDUX event. He will be discussing with us the making of Masterpiece VR using VR and machine learning to democratize 3D. Today, less than 0.1% of people who have the technical ability to create 3D models, the mission is to enable anyone to be able to take whatever they imagine in their heads and then easily create a digital copy of it. In 2015, Masterpiece VR... Uh, The team over there started a company from nothing to make this a reality. Experts told them it was impossible. Thankfully, they were wrong. Today, we have a strong or they have a strong team of over 25 and greatly simplify creating 3D content. They use virtual reality and machine learning to help people create content 10 times faster. And their software is over 200 times faster to learn than traditional tools. What was the first in the world world with real-time co-creation letting remote team workers work together? They have over 30,000 people using their tools today and are determined to grow until they have democratized 3D content creation for everybody. So Jonathan, we see you and we're about to hear you, man. I'm going to pipe you in. Uh, let's do a little mic check real quick.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: Perfect. All right. I'm always holding okay. my breath, making sure, <laughs> making sure that works. Absolutely. All right. So uh, okay. whenever you're ready to go, uh, the, the show floor is yours, man.
1: Perfect. Thank you, everybody, for uh, being out here, and you know, thanks for giving the chance to chat about this. So, um, I'm here today to talk about you know both the story of the making of Masterpiece VR, as well as you know how all of you can use this technology to really simplify and accelerate creating 3D content, especially for those of you who don't have any uh, previous experience creating 3D modeling. You know, here's now an opportunity where you can do so. So a little bit about me. Uh, I'm the CEO, as mentioned, of Masterpiece VR, leading a team over 25. We've got over 30,000 users in virtual reality using this today, uh, and we're growing exponentially. Uh, Before that, I got a master's in systems engineering, uh, university mentalist at the top of the university, and uh, got the highest national research award in Canada uh, for the level in machine learning and the technology inside virtual reality. I've raised uh, millions of venture capital and grants. Uh, I've got you know over five X business awards and dozens of uh, tech awards. Uh, so now here's what we're about to talk about today. You know, first part one is the story. This is about the lessons of the passion and per- perseverance and why failure is really absolutely necessary. I know you know some of that's sort of hard to take sometimes, but it really is very important. And that first part comes across as like a story. And then the second part is uh, talking about how you can actually use it. It's very, a shift of gears and uh, being less about story and more about as much information as we can give you in a, a short period of time. Now, when I was uh, asked to talk about this, they it said that, you know, we don't just wanna hear all the positive things. We wanna hear of the challenges and obstacles along the way. but. I don't think they may have known how deep this rabbit hole goes. (laughs) And the truth is, is that I've never actually uh, told this story before. So you're all about to hear it uh, for the first time. Uh, Well, actually anybody's about to hear it for the first time. Uh, But to understand it, it starts uh, many years before uh, ever even creating this company, you know, at a young age, I had to go through a lot of, of struggles and obstacles, and, and this is what helped me grow and to be able to do what I can do today. I know, go back to grade two, and I was misdiagnosed. I had a appendix ruptured. I was hospitalized for an entire month, and I had to fight through that. The doctor said I probably wasn't going to survive, and every day I had to fight to, you know, to make it through that. Well, you know, thankfully the doctors are wrong and here I'm here today, but, you know, it continued on in this way shortly after, um, you know, my parents broke up and that could be hard for, you know, a child to be from a broken family, but, uh, what made it harder is that, you know, we didn't have any money, like, you know, like charity presence money sort of, uh, you know. Like so little that, uh, you know, you'd get gifts from like charities for Christmas sort of thing. Um, and my mother's uh, partner was, uh, you know, after my father was um, a huge alcoholic. So that was sort of every day it was a challenge on that way. We had a, a rough neighborhood and, uh, you know, he eventually drank himself to death. Um, so, you know, there's been times where, you know, it's not even sure, you know, if things are worth living but you know as you get through that it just gets you stronger and stronger and now you know that can make a whole story on its own but fast forward a few years and you know I first get to university this was the first out of any of my family trees to go to university and the truth is from the high school I went to uh, less than 10% of people uh in the graduating class were still a, continued on to university even a year later um so you know not so surprising, my, my grades weren't that great, uh, pretty much was failing out, and then, uh, you know, it, it occurred to me then to, to start actually, you know, taking advice and following my passions. So, I really got into you know, machine learning and specifically how the humans do it, and that sort of flipped everything around where I went from you know, all F's to basically getting you know, really good grades, and um, you know. But even with that flip, you know, I still didn't think I was, you know, good enough to get any type of scholarships or awards or anything like that. But I was encouraged to apply anyways. Well, I didn't get the, the I didn't think I was going to get the lowest one and I didn't get that one. I ended up getting the highest national one in Canada uh, where I'm from. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm getting A pluses and everything. I graduated university medalist, the top of university And then had all the universities across Canada reaching out to me if I would come and uh, work with them um, for for grad work. So then, you know, took an offer from University of Waterloo, where I got the opportunity to focus on uh, the junction of machine learning, computer vision, robotics and, um, and the technology, motion capture, the technology inside of virtual reality. So that was really exciting, and did really well there. I was nominated for international awards, um, and um, uh, essentially from from that point, then you know I was considering a, an offer from uh, I was a lab at MIT that wanted me to go there. Said I've been in school long enough. Head back to Ottawa and uh, where I'm from, and there's no jobs. So. Um, So basically, you know, I started over from scratch again, where I had, uh, you know, I basically picked up a job as a a web developer. I specifically know jobs in my area of machine learning and all that stuff. This is about a decade ago before it was popular. And I started from a junior engineer. And then within, you know, two years, I went from a junior engineer to a technical director, uh, leading large-scale government projects. You know, we've been doing the the prime minister's office uh, and a number of of others, you know, at this point, um, you know, I I decided I was going to do my own thing. And this is where the start of Masterpiece VR comes. So I was at uh, that was the start of Masterpiece VR. And I took all the money I had. And, you know, instead of buying a house and a car, I used that to seed start this company. And, you know. I maybe had a little bit of tech, but I knew nothing about business. And as of now my role as CEO, that was the most important part of what I had to do, you know. But knowing nothing about business, I I couldn't get any funding. I couldn't get any grants. I couldn't even get any customers because uh, I was really that bad at it. And uh, so, so I decided, you know, just just when I felt like I was low. And I wasn't good enough to do it. I actually got a Bell's palsy and had half my entire face paralyzed. Um, Now, it's hard enough as it is, but trying to make uh, relationships where, you know, this is where you make a smile. (laughs) Um, The doctor said I wasn't going to recover from it and uh, that I just had to make a decision, you know, give up shop or, you know, just keep finding a way. So I decided on the latter just to keep finding a way. And um, and that was great. So I decided I'd read as many books in business as I could. I read over 100. I got all the mentors of the smartest people I could find to help me understand this deeper. And uh, then I finally started to, to understand how everything works. Uh, but uh, then a downside came, and I, um, uh, we were running out of money. So with less than a week left of having money, we got accepted to the top, uh, startup accelerator in the world, uh, for virtual reality boost VC in Silicon Valley that gave us the money and turned out there was, you know, a lot of people doing these crazy things, you know, at the start, everyone told me I was crazy doing this stuff, doing this, you know, you're trying to democratize for, you know, hundreds of millions of people, the creation of 3d content, like what are you using virtual reality and machine learning? You know, that's just kind of crazy talk where I'm from. Uh, But now there's a lot of people doing it. Well, so things were looking optimistic. But right around that time, uh, VR went through a downturn and all the investors stopped funding virtual reality. Um, So that led to the next challenge, you know, trying to figure out how to, to build something and add real value to the world when no one, not even investors, believe that it's going to be a thing anymore. So we then ended up running out of money uh, another three additional times. Now it's one thing if it's just you, but now imagine that you have two dozen people and you know they are about to be laid off, you know, and they have families. You know, that's a whole other level of stress. So I continued to work like 80-100 hour weeks and focused all my energy and managed to pull it off, you know, time after time. In these times, in these crunches, I managed to pull off, you know, a quarter million or half a million uh, in extension funding each time. And I'm sort of pleased to say that, you know, we're finally, you know, running well. We've got over 30,000 users on our platform. We've got one of the leading VR 3D creation tools uh, worldwide. We've got partnerships with many the major tech companies. And uh, we're on exponential growth now. Uh, and in one month, we'll be able to do the entire production pipeline within virtual reality. Just you know, greatly simplifying the creation of content. So things are now looking you know extremely exciting. I uh, I can actually start paying myself now, uh, and uh, we're now on an exponential growth, uh, and we're not going to stop until until na- we get to you know hundreds of millions of users and enable a billion people to do this. So. I didn't tell you all these things so that, you know, you'd feel pity for me. I, I told you them for you to understand that they you know, the more struggle you can go through, the, the more that you will build. I mean, to, to do something great, you need to accept the failure and take it as a challenge and grow from it. And that, you know, the more challenge, you can't take the biggest challenge on unless you, you know, work your sort of your mental ability to to overcome obstacles and persevere. Find your passion and persevere. So, you know, if you're not taking, if you're not failing often enough, then you know that failing often is not a sign of of losing. It's a a sign that you're taking on big challenge. So if you're not failing like 90% of the time, then you're probably not shooting high enough. So I'd love to encourage any of you people out there who want to create a startup or create a studio of their own. You know, it can be one of the most rewarding things that you can ever do. And, um, you know, and I love it if you, on your own time, maybe, you know, either right now or later today, just think about what are the obstacles holding you back and then don't let that then smash through those doors. So that's the, the first part. That's the story. That's the first time I ever told that story behind uh, Masterpiece VR. Now, the second part. This is is where you can learn about how to actually use what we've built and use what other people in our space will tell you uh, about the whole ecosystem as well. Now, today, creating 3D is a a pain. It it takes a huge amount of work, uh, a huge amount of effort to learn the software, but it doesn't need to be this way. So let's talk about what's going on right now. Well, right now, you're creating 3D using a 2D interface, a screen, and a mouse, and there's a mismatch between the interface. It makes it slow. It's expensive. It takes years to learn how to create this software. Sorry, how to use this software to create things. To give an analogy on why this is the wrong interface, let's you know let's look at something similar. If you want to create two D with a one D, right? Etch a sketch is essentially two one D knobs that you use to create a two D picture. Now this person's created Starry Nights, but I'll tell you, you know, that's easier Easier looking at it than doing it. Uh, this is extremely challenging to do. But if instead you just use a 2D interface to do 2D, like a Wacom tablet, then it becomes easy. It becomes natural because there's a one-for-one match between the interface. Well, virtual reality is the first truly native 3D interface and allows you to easily interact and create 3D. You know, we've demonstrated uh, well over 10 times improvements in speed and over 200 times quicker where the average person takes only a few seconds to be able to start creating organic 3D modeling. You know, when you compare that to the traditional tools where that could take you hundreds of hours uh, to learn how to do. So what we've created now is this amazing new platform, the Masterpiece Studio, that lets you go from all the way from concept to animation. I'll show you a quick video of this. Hopefully it streams okay. We'll we'll see. So here, what you're seeing is a scene that was created using our software. Now, what you can do is you can put on the virtual reality headset and you can start to sculpt with your hands, as you see kind of happening quickly here. You can create all different kinds of structures, as well, that you use in your scene. You can then rig it and skin it so you can prepare for animation. Then you can export it. And here we export it to Substance Painter to get some extra touch. And then you can export it and use it in whatever animation that you're looking to do. And then I'll dive down a little bit deeper into that uh, in a bit. So not only can you create things quick and easily, one of the powers that it does is to give co-creation. Now, our original product, Masterpiece VR, allows you to do this, but in just one month, we're getting an advanced uh, uh, update to that in Masterpiece Studio. You know that allows real-time co-creation, enabling you and your team to work and to create content, no matter where you're located, in you know lockdown anywhere in the world you and your team could come together in virtual reality, talk to each other, interact, and create together as a team. So here I wanted to give a contrast in the speed comparison. Uh, here was a speed a test done with, uh, to copy a robot. And the, the one on the left here was done in ZBrush by uh, Jeremy. Uh, he's got you know 10 years experience doing 3D modeling, and it took him 10 hours to do uh, that model to get it to explicit detail. On the right, using Masterpiece VR, Ian was able to do a similar one in just 45 minutes, and he has no 3D modeling experience. Granted, he is also an artist, but he has no previous 3D modeling experience. So to put it other way, an untrained professional without 3D modeling experience was able to create comparable content uh, to someone using ZBrush Fourteen times faster. Now that's that's incredible increases in speed. Now, when I talk about democratizing three D content, we're talking about the ease of use, right? So I like to make the analogy with you know making your own engine versus using Unity and Unreal. You know, you know, you guys are all gamers, and if you remember back in the day before Unity and Unreal, people needed to make uh, their engines from scratch. Now, sure, some of the large companies still do it this way, but for the most part, people will use Unreal and Unity because it just makes it that much easier. Well, we're looking to do the same thing with creating assets. You know, today it can be done with you know uh, Maya or 3ds Max or Blender, but you know, tomorrow we're looking at democratizing this, allowing anybody to use Masterpiece Studio to do this. Now, sure, the large companies might. You know, if you need something really polished, you may still want to put it into the traditional software to, to get exactly what you want. But you can do everything much faster uh, when you have a product that's, that allows it to be democratized. Our software works with all existing 3D modeling software. So if you want to create something quick and edit it in a traditional app, you're absolutely welcome to do so. Or pop it right into Unity and Unreal and start using it in your game. It can be used for creating illustrations. It can be used for creating animations. You know, if you want a 3D print, let's say you have a character in your, your game that you'd like to 3D print, they can send it right to a printer. You can use it for making, you know, movies of your games. And specifically you can make it for, you know, creating game assets as well. Now, I, I will mention that um, if you need the high, high polish, you will probably want to put it into another product, uh, a traditional three D modeling tool, in the end to get those extra sharpness. But this enables will enable you know your concept artists, people that uh, that may not have those three D modeling skills to quickly create the content, and even to block out your scene. So, what do you need to actually use this? Well, you need a first. You need a virtual reality headset. It has to be a PC based six dot one. So any of the ones you see here, and you have to have at least minimum the minimum VR specs of a you know ten sixty or higher. Uh, but you know I do recommend if you're going to be doing this seriously, having a you know a ten seventy or ten eighty or higher uh, will will allow you to go more detail. So you know there's a lot on this page, but I'm just going to quickly summarize it. You know our tools, virtual reality tools versus the, the traditional ones. We're more targeted a little bit more towards the concept artists, creative executives and makers, fine artists, designers. We're even a developer, for example, who just wants to quickly try things out. Um, you know, although we are useful for the 3D modeler and the 3D animator who do this full-time with traditional tools, they can they can use our software to accelerate it. Uh, the biggest value that we add is, is that, that ease of use. Um, so we're particularly, you know, useful for the, the the creatives who are maybe perhaps a little less technical. And ours provides real-time, worldwide collaboration. There's no experience required. And as I mentioned, we've got speeds up to 10 times uh, increase. So here's a little bit about our platform. It comes with two main apps, Masterpiece Creator, that's the main sculpting app, and then Masterpiece Motion, which prepares it for animation. We also will be inviting third-party apps to our platform soon to to integrate uh, in, in an easy turnkey way. And as I mentioned before, you know, this uh, connects to any existing 3D modeling software. Now here's quickly sort of the VR 3D modeling landscape. We've got uh, Masterpiece Creator, Medium, Blocks, uh, and a number of other ones that are great for for painting. And I'll dive deeper into this in a second. And then you have, uh, you know, other ones for that animation part, right? You have Masterpiece Motion, which will allow you to prepare it for animation, or you can plug it right into your, you know, Unity or Unreal Engine. Um, or if you want to keep it within, you know, VR, you can use Flipside, Ori or Quill for showing, uh, you know, quickly kind of illustrating what you want to do. So here's a kind of a quick feel free to take a screen snapshot if you want of this. Um, but it kind of, we've kind of broken down into what each app is can do. Now, the ones that you see this 3D type, there's a drawing and modeling. You know, the drawing's good for if you just want to do kind of quick sketches, but the modeling is necessary to create solid geometry. that's going to be used for your, for your game. And it shows kind of which app can do uh, which feature. The side would also show what parts of the pipeline we can do. You know, uh, there's many stages, as you know, this you could create the concept, the 3D model. you got to clean up that mesh. You've got to UV unwrap it, uh, texture it, rig it so that you can... Animate it, skin it so that it bends over the bones. You know, blend shapes so you can do facial animations and things, and then some asset animation. And then in the scene at animation, you can either do that in VR or we'll pop that into Unity and Unreal and finish it there. So, talking a little bit about the VR space, where you know we've been seeing exponential increases in headsets. Uh, the the statements where VR is dying are completely ridiculous. If you look at the Steam data, it is on an exponential growth. And IDC is one of the most respected market research out there. Uh, they're showing, a, uh, estimating 86 million headsets by 2023. So uh, this isn't even the highest estimate; these are sort of a middle range, uh, you know, uh, very reasonable estimates. Then you got the backing of you know people like Mark Zuckerberg, who who's you know invested billions of dollars into this and is doing everything his goal is to put a billion people into virtual reality. And there's just a few of the companies that are supporting this underneath as well. So right now, there is a revolution happening here. There's an amazing thing where you you know there's now an easy and quick way to create 3D content. And this is leading to you know the democratization of 3D content where there's today there's just there's 0.1 percentage of people of creatives can also do 3D modeling. You know, this opens up the door for the other 99.9% of creatives to create 3D content. Um, So once again, I'm John Guiney, the CEO of Masterpiece VR. Uh, You're welcome to reach out if you need anything. And, uh, you know, thank you, everybody, for listening.
0: John, uh, it was a great talk, and I'm glad to have you on at this time because it's actually a, a perfect opportunity for me to kind of, dig deep into not only masterpiece vr but also uh talking more in depth about you know the landscape of vr itself because you are the most expert person i've had on uh, because you guys are constantly looking at this space and even with the uh, previous guests and who we've talked to in our roundtable discussions uh, it's only been speculative because we're we're only looking at it from a game developer but still outside that circle um, and I, I think what your your last few slides and and everything that you've been talking about have have illustrated that the VR space is growing, and uh, finally people are realizing the potential and uh, how getting excited, right? And a lot of that is just a lot of what these uh, other tech companies are, are kind of driving forward with and and making sure that uh, it becomes accessible. And a lot of that, I, I, I wonder how how much of that is attributed to. Um, the Quest just finally getting rid of like those 10 cameras set up.
1: You know what? There's, there's so many key pieces. The Quest is is selling like hotcakes. You know, um, people love a Quest and it's great because it's just reducing friction, right? Just as you said, it's getting rid of those cameras, uh, which is a key thing. You don't need any external hardware. And really, that's happening every year. You know, we're removing roadblocks that are. Uh, making it easier and easier for people to just pop in and, and start experiencing it. So, so that's one of the key things. But the truth is actually um, that uh, for the last about 6 months, most of the VR headsets have been sold out in most places. Um, it's, it's, and if you look at the Steam data, uh, we've, we've got something like you know just over the last few months, we've had something like double the, the number of active, uh, monthly active users. Uh, at the same time, uh, this is useful for the developers in hearing at this conference. Uh, over the last year, uh, the demand for VR devs has increased 1400% over the year before. 1400% for you guys out there who are VR devs. Um, other factors is Half Life Alex. Wow. Uh, that's mind blowing. I don't know if you've had a chance to try it yet, especially with the index controllers. Uh, it is, you know, there's a reason why it's uh, Metacritic's top game of the year so far and one of the top 20 games of all time. It is, uh, it is the truly the first, you know, true VR first AAA game that has ever been made. Yeah, I, I think um... and this, this is just to mention a few. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: like what. One of the long running joke between me and we have a frequent guest on uh, named Ray is that he's a huge proponent of like, have you heard of Beat Saber, right? I was like, come on, man. (laughs) Beat Saber is great. But I come from playing AAA. I work in AAA. I want to see a AAA quality game. And I'm with you with Half-Life, Alex. I felt like it was a dawn of a new era for VR uh, because game developers... I think initially the hardcore it's even the word hardcore is hard to define nowadays. It's like, what does hardcore mean? But I, I feel like at least my hardcore audience that I grew up with, the people that love looking at graphical fidelity upgrades and playing yeah. the latest and greatest tech saw Half-Life Alex as a, a blossoming of a new market of finally people are going to take this seriously and see the the realities of the outcome of use, using virtual reality, right? And and I'm sure uh, it sounds like you and, and your team are, are super excited because it's finally hitting that point where I felt like when the first Oculus was announced through Kickstarter that we've reached that stage <laughs> where yeah. we're like, okay, now I can see myself living in this world and 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 be embraced by it fully.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is. You know that was an exciting time with the Kickstarter, and then there was, uh, you know, a couple of years after that, the hype cycle continued to go, and it was just, you know, presented in the way to, to appear. It was the wow factor that got it, but it wasn't at that point adding real value uh, outside of the just the oh my god wow I'm in another universe. It needs to add real value after that wow wears off, and it's taken this many years, and it's finally there. There are games that are are amazing triple a game you know we talked about uh, half-life alex um and you know the the mod kits have just been coming out and they're going to be continuing to add to so all these new games are going to explode from that one game at the same time even outside of the, the gaming space uh or, you know well like i'm doing for example with creating the apps uh to support gaming um you know, We've been working. There's been uh, we put seventy developer years so far of work on on this app, and uh, it's taken that long just to crack the surface. So you know we've been competing. The reality is we've been competing against billion dollar companies where the bar is set so high for non VR apps and games. Uh, but we're finally reached that. We're finally adding true value today. And uh, you know that's the reason why even like Apple and all these companies are starting to make headsets in the background. Um, and what's really exciting, actually, is with five uh, G. So you know what they're what they're making in the background here. I, I can't give names to this because uh, we're you know we've got a lot of NDAs here. Mm-hmm. But the part I can tell you is that um, there's headsets being built that uh, are five G enabled. They will have a cable, the, the phone doesn't plug into it, right? The phone, sorry, the phone The phone doesn't go on the headset. It just plugs in and it then basically you just have the screen and the sensors on the headset. It's lightweight, it's really cheap to make. The compute happens, some of it happens on the phone and the rest happens over 5G on cloud compute on the edge, on GPU compute on the edge. Hmm. And that's that's crazy because then you can have a lightweight headset cheap headset low friction that can do rendering that your pc could never do
0: yeah that's huge uh cloud computing cloud gaming over the last i would say even just a year have made major jumps Uh, i think initially when the last xbox kind of scared a lot of people saying that it always has to be plugged in the world wasn't ready right but uh but now, more than ever, people are embracing cloud tech, um, having that availability to move across different devices freely and openly, and not be uh, bogged down by the high prices of entry of a lot of these headsets. Yeah. And uh, what you're saying sounds like a, a another step towards of like, hey, man, let's just make these super cheap and let's just have people put glasses on essentially uh, that doesn't cost much for them to, to kind of embrace because a lot of that a lot of the barriers I felt like before was just getting people to wear the the headsets right because once they put the headset on everyone gets it no one's questioning the technology after they play a demo especially if we put them on Half-Life Alex it's like I get it right yeah. Um, and it's always just that, you know, first it was the, the quarter to PC element of it. And then, uh, you know, ha- having the, the phone explode on your face, uh, potentially. <laughs> and then we move past that, <laughs> removing all the cameras. And then finally yeah. having like this very lightweight quest. And then now you're, you're saying, well, you have your phone anyways, just have it in your pocket. Just plug it in and just power this exactly. very lightweight cardboard box uh not cardboard but like something you know as not as cheap but like the idea of it being very accessible uh sounds very very uh awesome and i always look at pioneers such as yourself and 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 like uh what valve is doing right when i valve is like a sleeping dragon right they they rarely do anything outside of yeah you know their cash cow of steam and dota and all these counter-strike you know successful formulas that they yeah. played with for years and then finally they're t- they announced their own headset they're they're dedicating all their future games to vr right that's when the game industry has to take attention because it's like yeah. all right something's going on with the space that they know about and what you guys are doing know about because um it, it, it's completely true like um and I'll lead into a question. I won't ramble too on. So my sure, question yeah. is this: So yesterday, actually, uh, we we had a uh, Zach Rich on, and it was a very interesting conversation to kind of cap off day two, where he kind of uh, dropped some knowledge bombs more about the user generated space. Right, we're talking about Roblox, Minecraft, and yeah. I feel like there's a lot of similarities to what you guys are doing, where we're just removing the barriers for uh, a lot of interested potential game developers and um, going through school myself, I know there's a, like a huge influx of people interested in this space, but because of the tools uh, and application and the stress that comes with it, a lot of people don't make it till the end, right? Uh, to actually game yeah. development. Yeah. Right? So this is something I think yeah. what you and your company is echoing is like, hey, let's remove all that problem because the user generated space is a lot of those people who want to be game devs who are doing game dev but without having to learn like the traditional tools of even unity Unreal, just skipping that completely and just making something from dreams or, or these more accessible, yeah. um, uh, programs. And you're, you're talking more about more VR being that entry way for a lot of people.
1: Uh, absolutely. So, you know, VR just makes it, it's, it's that, it's the interface problem that I was talking to at the beginning. Um, you know, when there's a mismatch, it just makes it hard. It's like using an etch sketch to draw a picture. Well, that's the situation we're in with three D modeling, right? If you can natively just interact with it, then if everything becomes easier, whether using a VR headset or actually, there's some really amazing AR headsets that are that are just a couple of years out from being into production. Um, that you know, that are incredible. Like you know, the truth is is that people you know. Think AR is big with their phone? No, AR on the phone is bullshit. Mm-hmm. the The reason that Apple, the reason that Google are getting everybody into this space, is because they're building headsets. It's a fact that they're building headsets. And uh, you know, once you have you know a bazillion developers who understand this technology, and then you have the headset, who which is lightweight, you know, connects to the cloud, it's stylish because they're made by um, you know. Some of these design companies, um, I think. Uh, I think actually uh, the Facebook one. what I heard, uh, I can't remember if it was luxotica or you know one of these other sunglass companies, uh, possibly the ones that do Ray Ban. Uh, they're anyways they're designing. Anyways, the rumors are that they're designing the the headset, so it looks great. You know, you look good while you're doing it. It's cheap and it's powerful. It's a no brainer at that point. Yeah. And, you know, to add to all this Mm -hmm. machine learning is just doing amazing things. If you look what it's doing in the 2d world, um, you could literally just take your pen and draw across the screen and go trees, road, you know, house, and it will automatically adapt everything in the scene and create those as if it's realistic. Well, we're just a couple of years off from doing that in Mm -hmm. 3d. But that's where we're headed. You know, right now we use deep learning already to automate a lot of these complicated functions uh, in our software. But you know, in a few years from now, we're going to be generating content from scratch in uh, with machine learning.
0: Yeah, a lot of what you're saying is is definitely what I'm seeing in the uh, the underbelly of game development. Right. So machine learning, yeah. uh, deep AI, uh, especially procedural. Um, procedural world building is because i I come from a background environment art and um games are are growing right Uh, as i mean with unreal engine 5 and all these expectations uh the team isn't really growing that much more and so the only way to achieve that fidelity is through procedural or machine learning uh relying on the computer to kind of assist with the world building to make it accessible to game developers to actually make and uh, kind of like what you're talking about. Um, I, there was a company like Procedural AI, or I forgot the name, but um, you know, it was a bunch of ex-developers uh, from Naughty Dog who who pretty much had this um, like kind of like a Surrey service, uh, that that helps design a, a bedroom. Right, the idea is to like, hey, uh, here's a bunch of references from the 80s. Make me a 80s like bedroom for a 10 year old kid, right? But it's assets provided into the machine and then it's able to arrange around. And this is very early tech. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. I'm not completely fearful of like, these guys are going to replace my job. But it's more like, this is exciting because this is where it's going to be assisting me to um, display my creativity, right? And it's the only way to do it. Because people are going to expect more. The gamers, the pur- publishers, anybody that's giving you money is expecting your team to deliver this fantastical world with your very limited amount of team. So the only way that actually give into that is using tools like like what you guys are doing for, for a lot of creators out there, like Masterpiece VR, to kind of speed up the flow uh, and not necessarily compound more people and jump at the problem, right? That's what game developers or studios like to do. They just throw people at it <laughs> to make it go faster. But there's a breaking point, as we uh, we all know in, in our experience.
1: You're totally right with that. I mean, you know, we're not replacing the jobs. We're just empowering them to do more, right? And, you know, you're always going to need people that are creative and that have the mind that can see the object you know, it's a natural progress. The tools get you know better over time. And I'm going to be honest with you, even the downsides of our software, you know, there's reasons, there's certain reasons why you shouldn't even use our software. Like, let's say you need to, to do something like super detailed and with, you know, Pixar quality or like super detailed, AAA quality end result, you know, our product is not great for doing that end result yet because it still needs to mature enough. But I can't I, I I can't name the name here. But there are AAA companies uh, with you know with some AAA uh, gaming content that is coming out where the, uh, the 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 concept art and the original 3D models from the concept team are are made with our software. So you know if you're making like an indie game, you can make it from start to finish with our software today and especially, Oh, wait till a month from now for a big update coming out. It's, it's a game changer update. Uh, some really exciting stuff. That's going to allow you to do the, the you know, the full pipeline for an indie game inside of here. Uh, but even if you're out there and you're coming from a AAA studio and, you know, you're earlier in the pipeline. Uh, well, our software is super useful even for that.
0: So I have actually a question here and I want to remind everybody, if you want to, Talk to uh, John directly, filtered through me right it's <laughs> so somewhat indirectly. Uh, go ahead and ask in the social channels as an aspiring VR dev this is from Green Gift, uh, what would your be uh, recommended steps to get food into the door nowadays? so this is kind of like jumping off of what you mentioned before there's an increase of need for VR uh, developers. Uh, how do you recommend these VR developers? Um, Where should they look? Where should they start applying and applying their skills to?
1: Uh, I mean, that's that's a broad question. So uh, I'll have to make some assumptions in that. There's, you know, it depends if you're making your own studio or if you want to be hired from an existing studio. Um, Is there a follow up with that? Which which direction it is? This is a very different. Let's just
0: go with maybe an existing studio for now until he asks again. Okay.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're in an existing studio, then. you know, then yeah, I, I would uh, just continue to develop your skills in that area and, you know, meet as many people as you can. Um, you know, don't forget the power of, of networking. You know, a lot of jobs come about where people don't even get posts. You just meet the right people and showcase their skills. Um, and And I can't speak for every studio, but I can tell you what I look for is I like to see that you're not just, okay, you've done more than just your you know, your gaming degree or something smaller side, I want to see that you have a passion for it. I want to see that you're willing to put that, those, those hours into just really making it something great. So, so I also look for, you know, having projects on the side that you're working on outside of your, you know, your school or your main stuff, get yourself a portfolio, something that you can showcase, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be like massive one, but if you can show like a few pieces that are super polished, um, you know, that's, that's really exciting to me. Uh, and that's, those are the kind of qualities that I'm looking for, is that you know that skill and also that, pa- that passion. Um, other things... Now, also, I, I can't comment on whether or not how much these gaming students are caring about it, but I can tell you that it's going to greatly improve your quality as a programmer. One of the big problems is a lot of these gaming schools don't actually teach really good programming skills. Uh, I hate to say that, but like it's the truth. Um, I've never met someone that came out of school that knew how to write scalable code. Um, so you know, learn what a code smell is. Learn your programming patterns. Learn um, you know about dependency injection and ways that you can uh, write code that's scalable. Because if you know, sometimes companies will give an assignment. Right? They may ask you to to, to do a certain task, and you can. You may go home and you want to work on it. Well, they might look at you know the quality of what you've done. They might look at your code quality too. So, I guess to sum it up, there, I'd say you know, showcase some great stuff. If you can do some great computer graphics stuff, it seems like from you know my experience, you know, those are, are very valuable skills. Um, and you know, get something to showcase. Learn how to code properly, not just the crap that some of your teachers told you. Um, and um and then go out there and network meet people as many people as you can in the industry and learn from them and i say that would be your best bet
0: i I guess for the follow-up for me personally if you are a vr developer uh what companies or what industry should i be looking at right now to to apply for jobs
1: uh by industry do you mean like gaming or other like well, gaming is the yeah. biggest, right? Game is the biggest. So right the truth. Okay. Oh yeah, gaming is the biggest. Um, the right now that the the headset manufacturers they're they're looking all over the place, but they they know that like the gamers have the best usually some of the best PCs, right? So there's a big opportunity there for for gaming. The majority of the apps still made are are games, uh, and some of the highest grossing apps right now are are still games. So. Uh, the great thing is, is that your your uh, game development skills are useful in anything relating to to VR because nine, like 95 plus, more than that, more than 95% of all VR apps are built off of Unity or Unreal to some level. Um, so I'd say your best bet would be, you know, look for a, a gaming company in, in your area or in remote that's, you know, need someone with your skills. Um, but the great thing is, is that if you want to you know, decide to do something outside of gaming, your game development skills are, are really useful. And I want to tell you uh, something else exciting. This is a little bit outside the question, but um, it's my personal belief that uh, Unity and Unreal are the next generation of, of not just gaming engines, but are, of pro- computer programming. We're all going into a digital visual world. So I really think that your your skills there are just going to be, you know, even outside of gaming, give it you know five to 10 years and they're going to be needed everywhere.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely sign off on that. I'm seeing a lot of these enterprise companies already looking at Unreal developers, Unity developers to kind of help develop their product and uh, not just programming, but every discipline who, who have game knowledge, especially in those two ecosystem, uh, are, are very yeah. valuable uh, for sure. Uh, this is a question from Nightwolf. Uh, can Masterpiece VR work with AR for those that do not have a VR headset?
1: Uh, so right now, there's there's sort of only two ways to do AR. There's the phone-based one, and there is the uh, AR headsets. Now, the AR headsets are really in a primitive state right now, and they're not really good for... Um, you know, direct interaction with the world. Like you could do things like this and stuff like that, but it doesn't have the fidelity to create. So you can't use a, an AR headset to do it. And you also can't use a, an AR phone yet to do it because you do need that, that touch, that high precision touch interaction. So you, you'll need a VR headset today to use this software. Um, in a few years, you'll be able to use an AR headset, but also just to note later this year, will this is not, um, uh, public yet but i'll let you guys know we're also going to be building a non-vr version uh, later this year now it's a sort of graceful degradation of capability you've got the best power if you've got a headset but uh, i can say that that, as i said before the price is going down a lot and uh, it'll get easier and easier to to get one of those definitely
0: um is actually a follow-up question for me you know you were mentioning about ar and how um it's uh the 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 phone is kind of being used as a trojan horse to kind of get developers uh feet wet in learning that tech and and being used to developing for that tech but they are building AR headsets a lot of these tech companies i mean we saw some of it with Microsoft and uh magic leap uh but at least the microsoft said they're they're militarizing it within the army and but we're, we know for a fact the other tech companies are are, are definitely seeing a future with ar and uh, in a lot of ways i feel like ar is um like the the, the entryway for a lot of people into this space yeah. a lot a lot more natural um and it's a crazy amount of applications to kind of be uh, a, a medium or median <clears throat> between me and interacting the world so like an extra layer right um with that being said, I, I want to hear your take about if, if you can educate us more about the AR world as well, because it's something that's been kind of kind of quiet uh, versus VR. Uh, and I, I think if anything, they're they're just very they're, they're very much just developing behind the scenes. Uh, but any insight yeah. on that would be great.
1: Well, so how to focus on this. This is a lot. So there's levels of development. There's a technical amount of uh, complexity that's required to do AR. Now phone AR is one thing, but I'm talking, when I say talking about AR, I'm saying, you know, that's just a gateway to the headset AR, which some people call MR mixed reality. So as you said, you saw, you know, magically Microsoft, but you know, the bigger one, some big ones in behind the scene. Um, is google they're they're building one as well uh, uh Apple they're building one as well there's some other ones that i, I can't speak about because they're, they're under NDA. Uh, I'm allowed to say those ones because I happen to know about some things but it's also public rumors um but there are other head, uh, companies as well making high quality headsets in, in this space but um but there, there's a delay between it and and i you know, to avoid going into the, the detailed complexity of like, uh, you know, basically motion capture technology. And basically what they have to do is, is like an advanced version of something called SLAM. Uh, it's where you do a type of uh, complex filtering where you you understand, basically you simultaneously have to solve the equation of where the environment is based off of where the headset is and where the headset is based off of the environment, so it's this this statistical you know uh, equations, and, it, and often it includes uh, machine learning, where it it does these really complex process to be able to get it, and that's where the the um, you know the quest and and these things have started to do pretty well, but you know you need to keep doing this better and better. Um, and you need to have it in lighter, lighter ways uh, to get the for the AR headset. That's been a challenge, and now that that's starting to get better. Um, there's still other huge challenges like uh, that. The screens, right? You know, the, there was one um, uh, a few years. There's been some headsets where you know it basically has like a mirror on top, and you have a screen, and it projects it onto onto the glass, and it uses a, like a hundred year old technology called Pepper's Ghost. Um, But that's really bulky and it's not scalable. Instead, some of the better headsets like uh, the HoloLens and stuff, they use like wave guides. But there's huge problems in extending the field of view to that. Um, So there's a number of of technical challenges to get it. So we're a couple years off from getting to AR. But the way I kind of see it is is we're going to have sort of three stages. First, because VR is a little bit easier to to, to build, uh, VR is going to be the bigger one. Right, then once the AR headsets, AR is going to be the bigger one because now they're going to look sleek and you can walk around anywhere with them. And then, so some people think that AR is the bigger one, but I actually disagree. I say it depends on the time frame. I I truly believe that in the next stage after that, in the long run, you know, we're talking we might be one or two decades away from that. That VR will eventually be even bigger because you know, once the virtual world gets better in every way than the real world. You know, why the hell would you be in the real world? You know, like, and then there's always going to be some people that are, that are like, no, man, I don't like that. I like the real world, you know, cool. That's no problem. But then what about the next generation? What about the kids who grew up in that? They don't already have an affinity to any world. They're going to pick whichever world's better. So I think VR is bigger now. AR is going to be bigger in a few years and then give it a, you know, one two decades VR is
0: going to be the biggest of them all. I definitely uh, sign off on that message. Uh, there's a reason why the Matrix is in VR, not, <laughs> not AR. <laughs> uh, so uh, I want to thank you, John. Uh, we are at that hour mark, and I want to thank you for coming on and sponsoring for the event. I want to, it actually is a great time to kind of remind everyone to, We we are raffling off copies for Masterpiece VR to go ahead and, Go to gdux.me to, to see how to enter. Uh, people are, are already thinking and, and tweeting at Masterpiece VR throughout the last three days talking about which their favorite presenter is and what the presentation means to them. So go ahead and do that. But before uh, I send you off, I'm going to hand the mic over to you to kind of give the shout out, give attention to, uh, tell people how to connect to you after uh, GDX.
1: Oh, thank you for, you know, having me out today. I've got my information up on the, up on the screen in the bottom left. You can, uh, you can follow us. We've got our website, masterpiecevr.com, uh, Twitter and Insta at MasterpieceVR, Facebook at Facebook slash MasterpieceVR. You can also reach me uh, if you need something uh, uh, at J-O-N dot at MasterpieceVR.com. Now, just like to say one more thing to those, those licenses we're giving out. Um, just for any clarity, that's not the original consumer product masterpiece VR. That's uh, the subscription, you know the, the better the professional product uh, masterpiece Studios that could be given license out for that. Um, so uh, and, and as I mentioned before, you know, it's great right now, but in one month from now, check it out again then on top of that and you're really going to be impressed by uh, you know, all the capability that it has.
0: Well, thanks a lot. So
1: Josh. once again, thanks, everybody.
0: Yeah. Thanks for being uh, having an honest conversation, talking to to a lot of developers out there who are, are looking to start out and, and and push through and and become a success, man. I, it was really enlightening to kind of hear uh, your story and how Masterpiece VR kind of came about. And it, it's a story that I, I want to amplify as much as possible. So thank you for coming on.
1: Well, no, thank you. I'd like to say, just hopefully I didn't scare anybody with that you know, maybe didn't put enough emphasis on how effing rewarding it is. So the bigger the challenge, the more rewarding. And this is the, the single uh, best decision and the most rewarding thing I've ever done. So I encourage anybody else who has any ambitions to do anything in their space to do the same.
0: Well, thank you again, man. And we uh, will be sure to connect after this.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Take care.
0: Take care. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com